What is the role of music in cinema, and why is it such an important part of the storytelling process? How does music increase our capacity for empathy and wonder? Fabrizio Mancinelli is an Italian-American composer, songwriter, and conductor best known for his musical contributions to the world of cinema. As a songwriter, he has created original scores for the Walt Disney-produced documentary Growing Up Nine Old Men and the upcoming animated drama Mushka, among many others. In 2017, he led the orchestral recording for the Academy Award-winning Green Book, and he recently scored the documentary Food 2050, which premiered at the UN Climate Change Conference in 2022. Fabrizio Mancinelli, welcome to The Creative Process. Thank you very much for having me. Reflecting on music and what a deep emotional connection it makes to us. And, you know, there have been these scans that our brain lights up when it hears music. It's something like the first sense that is awakened, like the drumbeat of our mother's heart is the first thing we hear. So share with us as a composer, a conductor, a songwriter, what was your first musical memory? My first musical memories maybe are the songs that my mom used to sing to me and my dad used to sing to me with the off-pitch voices, but no, I'm joking. But they were very sweet when I was growing up. Songs from the Italian tradition, lullabies, etc. That's for sure. And then the shows of the puppets in the main square of my hometown, the one I consider my hometown, even though I wasn't born there. I consider L'Aquila in Abruzzo, even though I was born in the north of Italy. But I remember watching these shows of puppets and of course they involved music. And then of course, Disney movies, those were the biggest influence for me as a kid, you know, about something that's singable, something that communicates happiness. Etc. But of course, the first memories I have are my parents singing to me. And your family is all in music or elements of the arts? No, or? no one. I'm the black sheep. In fact, they made me become an attorney at the same time. I'm a lawyer in Italy. I passed my bar exam there. I studied law and composition and conducting. So I had my plan B, please them. But my dad is a doctor. My mom is a teacher and no one in the family is a musician. But my uncle loves music and opera and he brought me to my first opera and is the one to blame for the fact I really thought I could pursue a career after watching when I was 11, Le Nozze di Figaro by Mother the Marriage of Figaro at the Festival of Two Worlds in Spoleto. I thought, oh, maybe I can write music when I grow up. It's a real job. I was the only one thinking it would be a real job in my family, but they let me study music. My life is made of many starting points that I can locate into my growth and I can remember exact moments where decisions were made. The musical culture is strong. The history is long in Italy. Do you feel that growing up there made that transition to say, I'm a professional artist easier? You talk about opera as being like a birthplace of it. It feels like it's a little more accessible, less high culture, more like we own this. Well, there is many things from the songs of the puppets, as I was saying, to the songs you hear in the street, to even the folk songs that were sung in the mountains next to my hometown. There were a lot of shepherds in the mountains. And there are songs in dialect that are part of my background. And Italian, we all sing under the shower, even the most 
out of tune people. That is like something that is part of the culture. I think a good melody and a good use of melody at the right point could be a good storytelling point to help filmmaking. So I was in love with opera and going from the Italian operas of Mozart to later with Puccini. And I was lucky to work with one of the biggest operatic composer of the 20th century, Giancarlo Menotti, who won twice the Pulitzer Prize. He's one of the four or five composers who won the Pulitzer twice for an opera and uh, being able to touch that closely more than making me think, oh, this is my job. And every morning when I wake up, I feel just lucky to be a composer. I feel if we take ourselves too seriously and we consider ourselves too much, we lose the connection with reality. The only reason that I need to know things is for myself. When I work, I need to do my best. I studied a lot. Our composition program in Italy is 10 years, and it's very tough. And after studying that, of course, there is the talent, but there is the dose of technique. You can learn all the technique. And after 10 years with the right teachers, with the right instructors, you have learned technique. So more than just feeling a professional, I think I, every day I behave as a professional. Yes. And you spoke there of how the melody can support the plotting and the characters and the storytelling process within films, which is a focus of your work. In our conversations with filmmakers and cinematographers, they said the most difficult part for them is often those transitions from one scene to the next. And you, with your music, really bridge that. Can you just go into that a little bit about how that works? So I studied to be a composer, music conservatory. Then I specialize to be a film composer. It's two different disciplines. You can be an amazing composer and an awful film composer, or you can be a good film composer and a so-so composer, according to the styles that you're using, etc. To be a good film composer, you need to be also a good storyteller. And storytelling comes with like going from point A to point B, creating an arc, and underlining everything at the right moment. I always say it's like with ingredients when you cook, you need to dose them properly. And talking about transitions, scenes, and the work done with editors and directors in story transitions, I feel like we need also to be good allies in adjusting and helping, you know, not giving away something that's going to happen, for instance, but just hinting. It depends also on the sensibility of the director, what he wants to achieve, you know, if we need to follow the cut, we need to go against the cut. There is a lot of decisions. The good, interesting part of this is that you can really make the rules of the game as you go, as long as they are consistent with a creative idea that usually is the director's idea. You can bring your ingredients to the table, talk politely, and figure out together the best solution to second What's the creative and global idea of a director is on something like that? It's so interesting, as I understand that your music comes as the last layer, not exactly the varnish, but that glue that holds everything together. It's so interesting. You're watching these images that, well, it's not our experience that we have in the theater or at home on television. What is it? You're looking for something that's not yet there. What's that process of watching and hearing what could be added? I usually watch the movie 90% of the times I watch it with the temp track that the director and the editor have assembled. I try to watch it only once with that and take notes in order to understand. And if the director is next to me, it's better because I look at his face or her face or their face just to understand emotions 
what the video communicates to them with that exact music, because I don't want to copy a temp. I feel like it would be lazy and not good to copy the temp. Then I drop the temp and I act with the notes I've taken and with the instinct that I have, what the video communicates to me, because the video is talking to me at that moment. And I start playing thematic ideas. I'm kind of hard to please. Unless I'm in a rush and it's something that is commercial and it needs to be out tomorrow. But if there is a creative idea and if I have the time, I have to take a few days to figure out and discuss with the director. It depends. Every project is different. And what the video communicates to me in terms of sound, in terms of thematic ideas. And I start writing on that. I'm the first audience of the movie in many ways. So I want to be the first one who discovers things that are in the film so that I can help the audience discover them as well or hide them. Depends. So I'm just going to play one of your pieces. This is from The Boat. Boat is a beautiful project I did with Alessio Liguori. It's a film in Italian and it takes place all on a boat in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. It's a thriller, so basically there is the transformation from a beautiful vacation of these friends on a boat to their worst nightmare, being offshore on a boat with no gasoline, no food, no water. And I'm not going to give a spoiler on the story, but the first part, I chose to have very little music and then very positive music with electronics and orchestral. And then there is a cutting point, which is when they wake up with, in the middle of the sea without any food, etc. And there the sound changes. So there is aleatoric kind of music. And then there is like this piece of shore is one of my favorite because I use the electronic plus a string orchestra with the string quartet and solo violin and all on different layers. I can give an idea the solo violin is one of the character in the scene. The quartet is a limited group of them. And what we see in the environment is the whole orchestra, but it needs to be the opposition of how big is the sea and how lonely can be the solo violin there. So it's giving the comparison between environments and characters. And I love scoring this film because there is like an evolution from the start to the end. In some of your films or shows, you're really underscoring what are complex issues, whether it's your forthcoming Food 2050. This is like, how are we going to feed ourselves? What is the future going to look like? Or the racism and Green Book and this very turbulent Yeah, time. Green Book case, I just conducted the score for Chris Bowers. Okay. So I was just the conductor on that. And my friend Chris was the composer. He's the amazing composer. 
that I conduct for on many scores. So how, when you're either conducting or composing, you're looking for this sense of beauty or wonder within complicated issues and conflicts, how do those two... Let me interpose. I did a movie in Italy about racism and the evolution of a character who's very racist and is white and is racist against black. And then there is an evolution of his character falling in love and being integrated in the black community and being loved. And it's a journey. But going on for 2050, which is most recent, and it's not a fiction movie, it's a documentary. So it's something happening. I face these social issues more scoring documentaries I did like recently. This is the centenary of the birth of Don Lorenzo Milano who was a very brave educator in Italy. And I did the score for the documentary that was screened at Venice Film Festival in 2017. And it's about the conscious objection to take the weapons to fight for the country and looking for peace. And this is a very actual issue in the modern history. And then, of course, I go to 2050, which is a very actual problem between global warming and the food crisis all over the world. Global warming is also made it worse by the heavy consumption of meat, which to be produced as a heavy, heavy carbon footprint on Earth. And it's very interesting. It's been produced by Media Red and Rockefeller Foundation. And I hope it will be released soon because it's not a documentary about, oh, we're all gonna die. It's like, we need to do better. We can do better. And it's based in other countries of the world, not only here in the U.S., ex explaining how the crisis is coming to the whole world in different ways. And we can figure out how to solve it in different ways all over the world, but to create a better environment. At some point in the documentary, it says you can have all the money in the world and say, OK, I'm going to buy organic superfood. When you go to the grocery store here now, you have to read a book before you buy a product. But people say, yeah, I have money, I'm going to buy it. Like the dropout, yes, I have money, I'm going to pay a fine because I'm using more water. There's going to be a moment in which money will not be enough because the resources are gone. So that's a core message that I felt it was very, very important. And from my point of view, I like to do different kinds of movies, but this added a more of a social value even to my work. You know, I was part of something in a teachable moment and I wrote different music. Of course, I wrote themes because my director, Matthew Thompson, wanted like me to develop themes. But at the same time, I wrote a different kind of score that you mentioned like the heartbeat earlier at the beginning of our conversation. And my first conversation with the director was because he attempted the film with a big score. I was like the center of the earth. I imagine a heartbeat and I imagine this heartbeat uniting all of us. So my score is in parts pointillistic, but like in painting with little dots here and there. And I think that those little dots are a heartbeat and connect the big and the small. And that was what I tried to do. As an artist, I still think that what we're doing is an art form that can stay and not only a commercial medium that can be used as fast food. Especially in this era in which they speak always about artificial intelligence replacing us. I feel that artificial intelligence can be like replacing the fast food with music and there is a lot of production music 
which is fast food without any kind of value. But we can also serve a gourmet meal with what we do. And if we really use all that we have learned in our artistic experience and in our life. Yeah, I think that's so true. There's a lot of big questions about AI. Also, there is a legal matter, and I hope they are going to regulate because to create something from a database is like plagiarism and uh, taking advantage of somebody else's art, and this needs to be regulated. But from the point that you were mentioning, yes, it's the same difference when I do a score with samples on the computer and I send out my demo, or I go in an orchestra and the little imperfection of the human beings playing, make it perfect. It's easy to amaze with a bigger orchestra and big sound. It's very hard to do it with pulsating sound, etc. But I also had the honor of having Steve Ardotti as my cello player. And Steve Ardotti is a legend. It's just like retired from big studio orchestra, but he's going to continue playing. Musicians never retire. Steve has been the principal cello of John Williams for many years. And he offered to be part of the project because he's a friend and he believed in me. And I'm forever grateful because the cello for me is the sound that's closer to the human soul, to the human heart. It's so attached to the body. The cello is the human sound. Trees and streets are covered in gold. Just kidding. New York City. Bring your dreams and watch them shine. Take me up my word, you'll get your moment in the sun. So come on and feel welcome in New York. It's your big apple grab a slice and take it. Your heartbeat sets a pace at which you make it. Sit and dine, this place is mine. I'm living my dream. I built all that I need right here in because with the pandemic, everything got confused. That was working and suddenly everything got delayed. So the Land of Dreams, I was working before the pandemic on this musical feature. I wrote 10 songs, music and lyrics for it. And what happened is like the pandemic strikes after we record the songs and after they film the movie. So the whole post-production has been done under quarantine, basically, from me in Los Angeles, the orchestra in Budapest, the sections, while me, I was awake at night. My team between Italy and here, the vocals recorded here, the choir recorded here, big band recorded in Rome. It was like a crazy adventure. So the Land of Dreams, I wrote the songs, then we produced the songs between here and Italy, and the orchestra everywhere, soloist here, and we did the mix remotely at the end and I did the score receiving the videos from the editor in Rome and I did all the sequences from here and the movie premiered the Rome Film Festival last November. I wrote the first song of the musical in November of 2018, the demo, and it took basically four years. It's a movie I hope that's released sometimes also in the United States because it's a special project for me. It got released through festivals. For a composer of my level, having had the chance to write a musical is a dream. Like, I'm not diminishing my value. I feel very lucky that I've been able to work on big projects, but I also feel the need now, having lived in the United States, I work on American projects and I continuously work on American projects, but there is always this need to be seen. I'm an immigrant in this country, I'm a citizen, but I'm still an immigrant. I came with a Fulbright grant to study with different 
or possibilities compared to my American colleagues when I moved here because in Europe, wages are different. So it's a sacrifice and I made my sacrifices to be here. So but right now I really feel a kind of a need to be heard, to be seen. Hey, I'm here. And all the projects I've done abroad, for instance, like going from the land of dreams to the animated features I've done to the animated feature that will come at the end of this year, most likely out of the nest from a Thai animation studio. Those are all A-level projects. They are all features with huge budgets in the countries they come from, in which basically I am the whole music department from songwriting, scoring. So Land of Dreams is like, I work with my friend Nicola Batangelo, the director. We have done other projects together and we did a musical feature, which is very rare in any other country that's not America or the United Kingdom. Then you mentioned Mushka. Mushka is a project I really care a lot because it connected me with Disney legend Andreas Deja, who created his own animated featurette. It started to be a short that was supposed to be seven minutes long, and it ended up being 28 minutes and nine years in production. Andreas Deja is the legendary animator who created Scar in The Lion King, Jafar in Aladdin, Gaston Beauty and the Beast, Triton in Little Mermaid. And he's a Disney legend. He got the award Disney legend in 2015. It was a dinner with Richard Sherman, the composer of Mary Poppins, one of the Sherman brothers. And he told him the story about this little tiger cub in Siberia with a little girl from Ukraine, Sarah from Kiev in the former Soviet Union. So Richard came up with a song that became Mushka's Alapai, Mushka's theme that I used in a montage scene. But Andreas wanted me to write the rest of the score and in integrating Richard Sherman's song. So what happened is I started from Richard's song and then I worked around all my score. They in a style that could adapt to the pastel colors of the animation because Andreas animated everything hand-drawn. It's a beautiful, like, illustrated book from the 60s, the 70s, taking lives. So the score is pretty classical. It's not an edgy modern score with electronic synths. It's a fully orchestral score, which relies a lot on my European uh, classical music training. I even like is the citation of some of Tchaikovsky's music in one scene. For me, I am really happy and honored to be part of a team made of legends because Richard Sherman won two Oscars for Mary Poppins and he wrote every possible song that kids will remember and even adults will remember all over the world and he's now turning 95 in couple of weeks. The beauty of being part of a project like this is that I got to score kind of an old-fashioned Disney movie, even though Andreas is not with Disney anymore, but there is that sensibility, the sensibility I grew up with. And then like a documentary for 2050 or the animated feature Out of the Nest, which is coming out later this year. What I really want to say is no movie is the same of another one. I got lucky in my life to be given chances from various directors to experiment and dress their film with the right suit or dress. And I enjoy listening to my music and finding myself in different styles, you know, like trying to be a good actor. Indeed. And I just want to say that the land of dreams, it mirrors your own experience in a way as an immigrant to the United States. Just tell us a little bit about that story because it is fitting for yeah, you. Yeah, it is. And I am grateful that you asked me because I'm always trying to find my place here. Because yes, I'm American, I'm an immigrant, but always trying to explain because I don't want to say about the difficulties I face in me coming here. It was not easy. So when I was writing the song that's called Give Up, and it's a song that basically I'm singing to myself. There is a lot of personal experience. Of course, I didn't come like an 
early 1920s immigrants from Italy with a cardboard suitcase. I was a luxury immigrant on a Fulbright grant, on a J-1 sponsor visa with a solid family I could go back to in Italy in case anything went wrong. But at the same time, it was not easy because I really wanted to do my job with a smile on my face. Brought me to write the lyrics of some songs. It's my turn, my time is now. It's something that I'm trying. We all try to get our moment to shine. We're all waiting. We don't know if it will happen, but we need to try at least. We need to grab our life with our hands and make it work one way or another. So that's what I mean in my song, Orlando Dreams. Just before I dive into, I wanted to thank you so much for sharing your passion with us and giving us such eloquent responses. It's my pleasure. <laughs> I always had the hope because I've been always on the other side of the world searching for inspiration. What I have to recognize there have been people, special people in my life that have given me their hands at the right moment. There have been also people that slammed the doors. I forgive, I don't forget, but there have been multiple people that have given me their hands and a smile. Even a compliment from a, a composer that I admire that I will never work with, but a nice compliment. Those things made the difference in life. A nice inspiration, a nice like, yes, you can do it. It's difficult. I'm not going to say it's easy because if I say it's easy, I'm going to just lie. It's difficult, but the attitude can make it easier. Your credits definitely reflect that inspiration. I think one of the most impressive aspects of your work is the musical range that you have. You've composed scores for documentaries, for advertisements for adult dramas, for animated movies for children. And I was wondering how the process of composing a score for an animated movie differs from creating music for a live action film. Well, for me, especially now, I think in animation, I can be more thematic. There are going to be colleagues who would want to disagree with this because they feel like the music needs to be carrying the action of many movies. But I feel like if you listen to my score, then hopefully in the future, Out of the Nest will be available to the public because I enjoyed writing that score a lot. And I think when you enjoy doing something, it comes out pretty well. There's also another thing in animation, you can at times follow the action, at times you don't have to. So that's the only difference. The difference in storytelling, there is also this thing that is in animation is called the plausible impossible, and you can transport it, which Walt Disney used to teach. At, and he did a beautiful TV special in, I think, the early 60s or late 50s called the plausible impossible. Something that you make believable on screen, but it could never happen, you know, in reality. And you can do it with music as well. You can second that and you can exaggerate a little bit more and people will not feel like weird out by that. Well, if you do that in a live action, of course, they will perceive it in a different way. People like to say that 50% of taste is smell. We only experience the most powerful flavors of food because of the work of our noses, body parts thought of as tangential to the digestive process. I think a similar formula can be applied to the cinematic experience. At least 50% of watching movies is listening. Without music, the intensity, the emotion of on-screen action vanishes. Without music, we sit in front of the screen, processing the images we see without feeling their impact. Music bridges the distance between the screen and the heart, imbuing on-screen visuals with emotional value. As Fabrizio has noted, music is transportive. 
Not only does it enable technical transitions from one scene to the next, it also propels the audience into the minds of characters and allows them to explore fantastical worlds. This is the essence of the plausible impossible, which Fabrizio described. The rule in animation, which dictates that animated images can depict the fantastical so long as they remain plausible. The plausible impossible is made possible by music. While the animation on screen may float between grounded and fantastical, music is necessary to bring the viewer along for the ride. Think of your favorite animated movie. At some point, characters are probably physically expressing themselves, whether it be through singing, dancing, or flight. You may have felt the urge to move alongside them, to express yourself and your emotions as well. This is the true power of music. Now back to the interview. So I wanted to highlight the song from Mushka, Grandma Needs Me, as just like so potent and evocative. The movie's not out yet, but you can just tell what kind of emotion that you're trying to convey to the audience without having to watch the scene. With that being said, how do you select the musical instruments for composition? Are there particular instruments that you prefer to use to convey specific emotion? So Mushka is actually doing the festival run now. So it's been premiered actually all over the world, I can say, because this piece in particular, I wrote it the day my grandmother died. And it's a montage of a grandmother passing. And I was playing that initially at the piano. And I was like thinking, and I feel if our goal is to transmit what we are feeling in that moment, we can do it sometimes in a more subtle way. I don't need to take the head of my audience and say, cry, cry. No, I need to hold the hand of my audience and through the vibration of music, transmit that. Mushka, the whole score is an orchestral score, 64 piece orchestra, as I remember we recorded it in Vienna and it's done with that because what I see communicates that. Like a Jailbird, which in Italy is called La Lunga Corsa. It's an independent comedy. We needed very limited score and we thought of doing something different, just voices and stomps like Barbershop Quartet or things like that. It's a different score. It communicated me that. The boat is electronic and strings with some brass, just like brass effects with synth. The Land of Dreams is a big fantasy score, the side that's not song writing it's a big fantasy score like in the style of harry potter movies everything is different in land of dreams we had this brilliant cinematographer mirkos garzi with his colors are perfect everything is a painting there and when something communicates those colors i always talk about colors in music 
as opposed to colors in vision. And I feel like it's a fitting comparison. We need to talk about storytelling and colors with director. We don't need to talk about musical instrument with a director who's not a musician. Because 90% of the time, we're going to end up in a direction that's not the one that the director really wants. Why, if we talk about emotion, storytelling, colors, we're going to find common ground. So the decision comes from the image. The film is calling for something. Then I discuss it with the director. Mushka was calling for a classical score, which doesn't mean I don't know how to write big ostinatos and big repeated notes or sound design. But in that film, I would have failed. I try to find the right score. It was this other composer, Giancarlo Menotti, that I worked with, the operatic one that said that he's like the rabdomant, the one who searches for water with a stick, he needs to find the right melody. I try to find the right melody, the same stick. So you've given us a bit of insight into how your songwriting process occurs. And for Mushka, it was clearly very personal. What are some other avenues you've taken for other films? And how much information are you given about the scenes for which you need to compose music by the director? Most of the directors I work with are also friends. And friends, not like work friends, like friends that I like to sit down and talk about life so that I know what their human vision is. I think I learn much more by a walk and looking at people and looking at their reaction about life than by sitting down and like when I cannot find any line of music where I have a creative block. So I'm given usually a lot of information by directors creatively what they are looking for. Even in terms of music that they've seen in other movies, what they want, what's the sound they want to recreate. But then, of course, they know that I will metabolize and not copy. The thing is, as human beings, we'll always have our influences, even if we find our own artistic voice. But we are a complete sum of everything we studied, we've appreciated in art, and we've lived. That's going to be my addition to the project, but the director's vision usually is made very clear. For the film, Lushka, you mentioned on Instagram that you worked with Richard Sherman. I think you mentioned it also in this interview, you wrote your score around his melody. I was wondering how you make an emotional and personal piece of music that doesn't clash with the musical style of other artists on the soundtrack. That was the challenge on this because I love Richard. I grew up with this music. I respect Richard. I'm Fortunately, I'm not Richard. Otherwise, I would have had the answer right away on how to build a score. So I started writing counterpoint to his music and entering and playing around that harmonic language. And then I figured out, but he used very Eastern European harmonies. So the solution was there for me. Being a European composer, using Richard's music, which has very, very Eastern European harmonies, and then staying in the same language, it's all born of respect because in the instances I use these themes, I always played it for him and said, what do you think? He was always very, very encouraging. I have the best voicemail that at some point will share that I will cherish forever from him. Yes, it's so beautiful when you can have those true creative dialogues and also across cultures or across continents, it's that call and response. One thing that I think that all of us listeners, whether we're musicians or artists or not, trying to filter out the noise. Music helps us focus, but we're just so inundated and it's to narrow that beam onto what is beautiful and true. So I wonder what you're like in your silences. 
And here I have to recall a conversation I had with one of my mentors and a very influenced one, Luis Bacalo, who won the Oscar for the movie Postino, and who has been one of the biggest film composers of the 20th century and great music arranger. Luis told me that he always has music in his brain, and I always had music in my brain as well. It's always there in the background. Night sometimes. It's not bothering, but I would be concerned if there was no music one day or even for one minute. Silence is a different kind of sound for me. The difference is when I write music, a rest is as important as a note because it prepares us to something else. It's part of the music. It's a difference between relative silence, which I put in the music, and absolute silence, which I fear. Yeah, there always is a music just humming under the surface. Yeah. It's a heartbeat as well. It's a rhythm. So if we don't hear that, it means we are dead. It's so true. There's always something going on. Can you imagine a world without music or films without music? We don't notice. Sometimes the best scores, they're so good. They're so part of the film. We don't quite notice them. We need to be the invisible actor. Missed when it's not there, but not noticed because it's so good that integrates with the action so well. That's what I always think. I try to do a score that when he's watching the film, it works seamlessly with that. When it's outside of the film, it's still minimal. That's quite a tightrope that you have to walk and people don't even realize. Of course, you're collaborating with the director, maybe others, but what's so interesting is that sometimes you're at the other side of the world from, you know, the other contributors to this process. Yeah. You spoke about some of your teachers, some of your inspiration and collaborators, and I'm wondering about your inspiration from other sources. Of course, composers of the past, the ones I've worked with, I don't want to choose between a few of them. Everybody has their own great ideas. It's easier for me to say what I don't appreciate musically or artistically, but I really love to read books of art with images of art because I grew up in a Renaissance medieval city. It's totally different to go for a walk and look at old buildings. You look inside the windows and you see frescoes and art. Then I love animation a lot as an art form, and I have books about animation, and I read them. I have a lot of friends who are artists, and I enjoy seeing their art. That's my fuel. That is my inspiration. And of course, every music that gets thrown at me is an inspiration, because also there is one thing. I admire most what I cannot do. Something that's totally different from me, I get amazed and in awe because there is always this will to learn. And I hope I will have that until my last day. I will be able to be amazed until my last day. That's the one thing that music just pierces and it's so clear, the communication. It's direct and that hits us. So many words gets in the way. So as you think about the future and you think about these documentaries that you've worked on about the kind of world we're leaving the next generation, what for you is the importance of the arts and what would you like young people to know, preserve and remember? I think the importance of art, since to create something that stays, you need to spend time and have patience. It can teach us to be patient in analyzing, patient in listening to others' ideas, patient in respecting other ideas. Art is also a beautiful dialogue. We can communicate to other human beings through art. That's what I would like my daughter to understand. In art, to be understood, you don't have 
to necessarily scream. There are great examples of protest art and they needs to be, but also to evolve. You don't necessarily have to break with the past in art, but you can know the past to build a future that is solid. So I think art is a very good way to learn respect and patience because at least for me, I love the things I cannot do. And in art, you can learn how to love things you're not part of, things that you have not created, things from other cultures, and that all goes together with the respect to other culture, love for other culture. And it's another great thing that we can learn from art. Thank you, Fabrizio Mancinelli, for sharing your respect for culture, being that bridge from the past to the future, and your whole message of hope and resilience to use music to tell important stories. We all live on one planet we call home. Thank you for adding your voice to One Planet Podcast and The Creative Process. Thank you. The Creative Process is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. This interview was conducted by Mia Funk and Aaron Goldberg with the participation of collaborating universities and students. Associate Interviews producer on this episode was Aaron Goldberg. Digital Media Coordinator was Sam Myers. Offshore, Food 2050, and Grandma Needs Me were composed by Fabrizio Mancinelli. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you'd like to get involved with our creative community, exhibitions, podcasts, or submit your creative works for review, just drop us a line at team at Thanks for listening.